Yo, welcome everybody to the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Jim Cross. Randy Jowers, he's going to have the night off. And this is episode 12, titled Just for Kicks. And we titled this because we're going to have on tonight, and we're going to have the privilege here in a few minutes of talking to the writer for World Soccer Talk, the host of the 901 Soccer Podcast and our resident soccer guru, Lawrence Dockery. But before we get a chance to dive off into some MLS, some 901 FC, some U.S. national team news, Jim, talk to me about your daughter. She is a young talent growing up, getting right into the soccer, North Mississippi. How are things going? Are they able to get out and, and play games? Um, what's the status down there? Right now, they're currently only getting to practice. Unfortunately, it is good that they are still getting their foot on the ball. They're getting to work with their teammates, but no league games, no tournaments. So not getting any on the field playing time against other teams, which really sucks. They missed out on about 12 league games and five tournaments in the spring. So hoping that it just all gets back on the course and, uh, to play in the fall and we got some we got some tournaments loaded up especially in Tennessee that we'd really like to play I bet I mean I, I think it goes without saying I think everybody's ready to get out of the house ready to compete even like at this point if you lose games or tie games you just want to get out there and start playing so I know keeping her motivated and, and keeping her pumped up and keeping her going is probably a difficult task but um, is it have you found it to be difficult to get her out there and, and keep her motivated when she's doing things over Zoom or she's doing things on her own? No, she's pretty motivated herself, but, you know, there's guys in her life like Ryan Worsham and James Beattie from the Lobos organization that really invest in her, and they give her homework and whatnot, and she works hard in her off time. Sometimes she needs me to get a, give her a little kick to get in gear, but for the most part, she's, uh, she's pretty motivated. Well, I guess as a parent, that makes your job a lot easier. And I know being a former coach, it's always helpful to have kids that are always intrinsically motivated and self-driven to get out there and just really get after and work hard because it really cuts down the, the gap when they come back and you're able to get back to practice. Um, but enough of our banter. Let's get on to the main attraction. We're going to welcome on, once again, the writer for World Soccer Talk, the host of the 901 Soccer Podcast, Mr. Lawrence Dockery. Lawrence, how you doing tonight, man? Hey, I'm doing all right. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. I don't get billed, billed as a uh, main attraction too often, so that's kind of a plus. I'm, so I'm, I'm on board with that. Well, the, the, the hope is that we, we treat you right, we pump you up, and we can bring you back because – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you, Lawrence, man. I am not a soccer person at all, so I'm hoping. Oh, you're missing out. That's what I hear. I'm hoping by the end of the night I get some clarity and some knowledge that'll, that'll at least drive me to watch, you know, some action because it's coming. Um, and I know that you'll be willing to, to tell us what's on, on tap over the next couple of weeks in, in the soccer world. But oh, you know. But for our listeners that may not know much about Lawrence Dockery, give us some insight. How did your passion with soccer start and what led you through this journey to being a writer for World Soccer Talk and hosting your own podcast? 
Uh, how did how did that come to fruition for you? Well, I mean, I guess you could say like uh, just about anybody else that kind of got involved with, you know, became a sports fan or involved with sports in some way, shape or form. Uh, I got started while my parents signed me up for youth soccer when I was, you know, four years old. And uh, it, I guess when I was that age, it only it never occurred to me that there was a soccer world outside of what I was seeing on Saturday mornings at the Rainbow Youth Soccer Complex in Las Vegas, which is where I was born. Um, but then I think I really started to pay attention and become a fan uh, during the 2002 World Cup when the U.S. went all the way to the quarterfinals in, in uh, South Korea and knocking Mexico out along the way, which was a big, big, uh, big plus. And then just uh, through the years, just stuck with playing it until I was probably in about eighth grade. Uh, but by that point, refereeing had taken it over. I've been a referee uh, just about 14 years now. And so that's uh, that's my way to to stay involved in the game at the uh, at a youth level, I guess you could say. Um, and that's something I wouldn't, uh, I don't know that I'd give it up for the world. I love doing it. It's a lot of fun. There are absolutely days where I'm out there at Mike Rose or at the South Haven Soccer Complex or I'm sure Jim can tell you in Oxford where uh, there's there's things going on where I'm just like, why do I have to deal with this today? Um, but all in all, it's just I'm, I'm, I'm very glad that I get to get to be a referee and um, I love doing it. And as far as the, the media aspect of it, that was something prior to the 2014 World Cup in Brazil. Um, I, you know, I was reading anything and everything that I could get my hands on just, you know, when you've got World Cup fever, sort of like, you know, how there's a lot of people when March Madness rolls around, you get that NCAA tournament fever where you'll fill out 15 different brackets. And, uh, you know, the way you've got one bracket to fill out will kill the other bracket you've got filled out and so on. But uh, there was a site called World Soccer Talk, and they just said, hey, if anybody wants to write for us, we're going to need a lot more content coming up. So just knock something together and send it in. And so I did, and I've been writing for them uh, ever since. And now I, I'm much more focused uh, on what I do. I do mainly U.S. men's national team game previews for them, and then I do uh, men's national team and women's national team uh, attendance and TV ratings articles, as well as a, uh, a, an annual recap of the largest soccer crowds in the U.S. So that's how I got uh, going with World Soccer Talk. Uh, it's allowed me to do some cool things. Um, I've been in the press box in Nashville for a U.S. men's national team game against Mexico back in 2018. And I got to be up in Nashville for the women's national team when they played England in the She Believes Cup in 2019. Uh, so that's that's something that I, I, I just look at and go, I'm just this random dude. And I get to be in here with all these, you know, all these guys, all these people that I've read and, and seen. And so that's that's pretty cool. And then as far as the 901 Soccer Podcast, that was something that I'd already been a writer. And then uh, Scotty Smith, who uh, was the founder and original host of the 901 Soccer Podcast, was one of the guys who, when Memphis City was in the MPSL, they played out at Micros for a year and then out at uh, CBHS for another year or two. Uh, he came to me and said, look, um, we, you know, when Memphis got a USL team, he said, we're going to need to do more than what we do for Memphis City, it's a much bigger deal, obviously. So we uh, we got a credential, a press credential, and it was originally going to be we were kind of there were going to be three or four of us taking turns, and then things just went well enough when I would live tweet the games and then do the post game recap that it just became my thing. And uh, starting this season, um, well, not that we've been able to have much of a season, but starting with the 2020 calendar year, Scotty kind of stepped down 
as the host, uh, you know, to, you know, spend more time with the family, that sort of thing. And uh, we wouldn't be here where we are with the 901 Soccer Podcast without him. I want to make sure he gets his due. Um, but uh, this is something that um, that's another thing I really enjoy doing. I get to be in the press box for all of the games. I mean, the best part about it is, is I get a credential and I get to go to all the home games for free. So that's, that's one of my favorite things about it. Uh, but other than that, I just enjoy, you know, sometimes I get to rant and rave about stuff and get stuff on my chest without having to be around people and make other people miserable like I am. So that's another benefit of it. All right. So with that, let's jump right into the 901 Football Club. So I got to go to a couple games right off the bat at the beginning of the season last year, but did not get to partake in the whole season. How would you say that first season went in Memphis? Well, on the on the field, it was absolutely, most definitely not a success on the field. <laughs> I mean, they looked they looked like an expansion team, and there's nothing wrong with that. And uh, coach, what one thing that I love about Coach McQueen is, um, I'm sure you guys are familiar. I'm sure uh, Jim at least is familiar with Eric Hasseltine, who's the radio voice of the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, somebody that I would, I would like to consider a, a good friend, um, even though I hadn't actually seen him in a while. That's neither here nor there, but. Uh, one of his sayings is you never get too high after a win and you never get too low after a loss. One thing that I love about coach McQueen is when things are going well, he's on top of the world. And when things are not going well, he's angry at everything. Um, one of my, the, probably the best thing about coach McQueen from a media perspective is that if you ask him a straight question, he's going to give you a straight answer. There's not going to be any, there's no coach speak. There's no, well, it could have been this, that, or the other thing. He's like, Nope, this is what happened. This is why we suck tonight. And so on. Uh, and when things are going well, he's like, this is why we did good. We did this, we did this, and we took advantage of that. And that's why we won. Um, off the field, I would say the inaugural season from Memphis 901 FC was about as successful as you, you could have hoped it would be. I mean, the first game of the season, they had a max capacity crowd. They had a friendly against Pachuca from Mexico with an overcapacity crowd. They had a couple of Wednesday night games. There was one, uh, I think the first Wednesday night game of the season was – uh, in late March, early April of last season. And the Grizzlies were playing the Warriors at FedEx Forum two blocks away at the exact same time. And they still got 6,000-something people down to AutoZone Park for a you know, Memphis 901 FC game while the Grizzlies are playing the reigning NBA champions right down the block. So uh, off the field, um, they, they did a very good job. And coming into the 2020 season, everything off the field was getting amped up a little bit more. And it's one of the things that's really disappointing about having had this COVID shutdown is um, there were a couple of print media outlets here in Memphis that were either doubling down on or bringing in dedicated soccer writers to cover the team. And they only had one game to cover. So that's kind of a, kind of a disappointment, but all in all on the field, it was, it was, they, it was an expansion season, but off the field that I think they made quite an uh, excellent impression. Yeah. I feel like off the field uh, just, specifically in the stands, I feel like the Bluff City Mafia did their part, right? Oh, absolutely. Those guys are, uh, I mean, they, they pregame hard, they postgame hard. Uh, and there, there's one thing that kind of people kind of get, get, gets lobbed at supporters groups, just kind of generalized. And I, I've done this uh, on, you know, as a fan yelling at the American Outlaws where it's just, even when things are going well and they still support the team, there's kind of a segment of the population out there that gets mad at them uh, that's not the case with the bluff city mafia when things aren't going well they're going to tell you you know you know why they think this guy shouldn't be playing here or 
why we need to go out and get this player X, Y, and Z. They're not all just yes men. They're they're knowledgeable people and they love the game. And I don't think we can ask for anything more than. I got you. Yeah. Now, uh, like I said, they they trend on Twitter, and I love it. So, last question about nine oh one. I mean, I love it coming across ESPN, seeing that they have a game coming up on ESPN two on July fifteenth. Tell me about the hype behind that. Yeah, that is, uh, and obviously this is all, all every, every everything that we're going to talk about about what to expect for the remainder of any of these respective seasons is all still very much up in the air, and it can all change on a dime. But right now, the plan is for Memphis 901 FC has their first game of the season. It's on the road at Birmingham. That's an ESPN2 game. And uh, either the league or ESPN or some combination of the two released the full schedule TV for the month of July. And um, that's the only national TV game Memphis 901 FC has. All the other games here are going to be shown on CW30 locally. Um, but that's a game that, against Birmingham because during the offseason, for whatever reason, the Birmingham fans in Alabama and the Birmingham fans in England spelled the same, pronounced differently. They all, for whatever reason, decided it was gang up on 901 FC during the offseason. And so I don't think there's a lot of fans that forgot about that. And they are totally ready to dish out some punishment and shut up all the Birmingham, Alabama, and England come next Wednesday. It's, it's always fun to beat anybody from Birmingham, whether it's across the pond or a little bit south of the state. So let's shift gears to MLS. I've currently got the game pulled up right now, Orlando and Miami, and this is a, a, a tournament. So talk to me about MLS is back. They're in, they're, they have this structure. What is the structure for what they're doing? Is this a tournament? Is this um, a season? How, how does this work? So what and, and again this is all subject to change uh as we've already seen with this mls's back tournament because uh fc dallas withdrew they said we've had too many players test for cover we're out adios um and it's looking like i haven't seen anything official but there's a lot of speculation that nashville who is in their first season in mls i think they played two games they lost to atlanta and i forget what they did in their second um they're probably on the verge of bouncing out as well but overall, this is just going to be a tournament. This is not going to be the season to completion. This is going to be we're going to try and kind of catch back up and get to where, you know, we, we feel like we have enough games. And then the plan is to move back into home stadiums and kind of finish the season out that way. This is um, – and it's one thing that I – so far that I've seen that a lot of people like is the, the lack of artificial crowd noise is one thing that you've seen for the games being played in Germany and in England and, and Europe is they've been pumping in that kind of artificial crowd noise, which it's got its lovers and its haters, just like anything for a, a tournament like this, where it's basically just going to be at a practice field or like you know, an environment that's going to be like your local high school stadium for soccer. I think pumping in artificial crowd noise would be silly. So I'm fine with the, so far the lack of uh, crowd. Yeah, I, I think there's something to be said about that. You can hear the players in their element. Like, you know, I, I'm not listening to the sound right now, but I, I would have to say that you can hear the calls, you can hear the communication going on. Like, to me, as a fan and as a coach, I get more jacked up about that sometimes than the actual, like, what's going on on the field. 
Um, but I, I will say, given this, this, I guess it's more of an exhibition tournament, getting their legs under them, getting them some practice uh, in competition and real game situations, um, who is the favorite to come out of this, the winner? Well, I mean, for, for, uh, first off, the games do count. It's not like a, like preseason or scrimmages or anything like that. There are, these are, as far as I can tell, are legitimate, meaningful games with you know, three points up for grabs every night. Um, but when it comes, I, I, I want to say, you know, all the usual suspects, you know, the, the, two, the three or four teams that have been really good in MLS the last three or four years um, would be the suspects to win this. But I think, I think, anything you can tell about records or player fitness or matchups, or I think you really maybe just kind of, kind of have to throw out the window just because of very unique circumstances that we're in. Um, just, you got to embrace the crazy and just see what happens and whoever kind of rolls with it best. Uh, um, but I would say the most talented teams, uh, you know, you got Atlanta United. Uh, they're, they've, since they've been in MLS in 2017, they've been one of the top three teams in the league. Uh, LAFC, although their their best player Carlos Vela may be deciding to sit this out. Um, LA Galaxy, they've just signed uh, a Mexican international superstar Chicharito Hernandez right before the season started. So there's a possibility that they could do well. But if I had to bet, and uh, and I am a betting man, um, I might go just with Atlanta United just because from top to bottom, even without their star player Joseph Martinez, who got injured for the season in the season opener against Nashville. I still think, coaching-wise, talent-wise, they're probably the best top five. So, guy from Vegas who is a betting man, no surprise there. Yeah, I, I, that's what I was thinking the whole time when he said that. I was like, you know, I, I'm going to take his word for it. I'm going to go put some some bills down on Atlanta and see how this thing goes. Now, for the record, I have never actually bet on a soccer game before because uh, you do have to. You know, it's not like betting on basketball or football where you know, it you know it's not going to end in a tie, which very very regularly happens in soccer. I have bet on college football and college basketball. Um, I'm, mu I'm much better at betting college football than I am college basketball. I didn't do so hot right before all the tournaments got shut down. Lawrence, if only you knew bringing up the tie thing is really going to do something with Daniel. I, I, have, I have a tough, tough time grappling with the tie aspect, but hopefully we'll – I, I mean, that's, there's, you're, I'm, you're not alone in that. Um, it's, it's just never bothered me just because I've always grown up basically just watching it and, and being aware of it. So it's not, and it's, it's not like there can't be drama in, in, you know, ties, like, uh, like when the USL comes back to play, for example, it's going to be the, the determined playoff seating, the top two teams from each group are going to go through sort of like a, like the world cup or the gold cup or what have you. Uh, and, and there's, you know, when ties happen, it can throw all sorts of chaos into the mix. So from a, from a drama standpoint, there's nothing wrong with a tie. Now, as far as are there absolutely dull 0-0 soccer games out there? Absolutely. I can't, uh, I can't tell you that that's never been the case. But there, believe it or not, there have been wildly entertaining 0-0 ties. Uh, Mexico-Brazil at the 2014 World Cup was one of the most ridiculous games I've ever seen in my life. And that game ended 0-0. So there's a little bit of each one. Yeah, I, I can, I can see, see it from a, from a baseball perspective. I, I was a pitcher, and I, I can take pride and I can respect the, the pitching duels. I just want there to be a winner. Uh, like, even if my team loses, like, I, I just want there to be a winner and a loser. Um, I mean, I, I, mean I, I get that. I mean, the, fa the fact that sometimes there isn't doesn't bother me because in, at the end, 
uh, you know, at the end of the season, it's all point, it's all point based and maybe you fall two points short. And if you hadn't drawn, if you won instead of drawing, you'd get punished for it that. Yeah. So in your, in your opinion, do they complete this tournament and do, do they move on and complete a season in MLS? Man, with every day that goes by, it's just, it looks less and less likely. Um, if the, if, if we can't end up having a college football season, which it, it hurts my heart to say that it's looking like that probably is not going to be the case. Just, um, I can't imagine that uh, something that makes far less money than college football is going to be able to do this. Now they are theoretically in a bubble for now, you know, when it's going to, you know, they're not traveling all over the country and interacting with thousands of people. Uh, but honestly, I don't know. I can't say one way or the other. If I had to guess, I'd say probably not. But if they did, that wouldn't shock me. All right. So before we move on to the next thing, Daniel, I do have to tell you that my daughter once played the tournament for the championship in Mississippi. I know where this they is play, They know this, this doesn't have to do with him yet. We'll get there. But, no, they tied one-to-one with another team. Then they both ran the table and won four more games. And they got decided to have second place because they gave up more goals during the tournament. So they didn't even let them hash it out. So that 1-1 tie uh, hurt even worse. And so there's a reason for me to hate ties. It's that because that team, our, our last game was after theirs. And so they had already played theirs and knew they had wrapped it up. They didn't even stay for me to, like, issue a challenge out in the middle of the field and say, bring your girls out here and let's do this. So... But anyway, that's me going off on a tangent. So last thing we want to know, Lawrence, before we get to a segment we do with our guests called This Is That or This or That, is uh, give us one thing to know about the women's and men's national teams that's just a we need to know going forward. Um, well, uh, what we don't know is when they'll get to play again. Um, the men's national team was supposed to begin World Cup qualifying in September. Uh, FIFA pushed that. People can't, I believe FIFA canceled those dates. And luckily with the Qatar World Cup in 2022 falling in the November, December, there's a few extra months worth of wiggle room that we wouldn't normally have in a regular cycle. Um, but as far as when either team is going to play again, um, uh, we know about as much about that as we do with any of the other sports. Uh, what you need to know about the men's national team, just big picture, is they suck. Uh, Greg Berhalter, I mean, they, they, they went round and round for a year, and they went for 13 months. They interviewed nobody and uh, to hire the brother of U.S. Soccer's at the time CEO. Uh, and for the record, Greg Berhalter is the I'm, – I'm sure you're both familiar with college football, and uh, you, you guys know Willie Taggart, right? Former right. Florida or, you know, one of the worst coaches in football history. That's who we hired to be our coach. We hired the internet, the soccer version of, of, of Willie Taggart. You know, kind of a dude who had a losing record everywhere he's ever coached. That's Greg Berhold. Um, But he's a yes man. He doesn't put the best 11 players on. He doesn't play. I mean, we got hammered 3-0 by Venezuela, hammered 3-0 by Mexico. We lost to Canada 2-0 for the first time in 35 years. Um, actually, one year ago today, I dropped an article – for World Soccer Talk about how far in over his head Greg Berhalter was, and it got a lot of play, so I figured one-year anniversary would be a good day to share that again. Um, so Daniel doesn't need to go out and buy him a men's national team jersey, huh? 
Oh, he can. I would, I'd be 100% on board if he did. Um, for example, you know, we've got the talent to not be awful. Um, I mean, I mean, this is as bad as we've ever been. And I don't think you can, you can put that on any, any one thing. It was a collection of things, but, um, I'm a big believer that, you know, I don't care what system you want to play. I don't care what style in any sport you put the best guys on the team on the field. It's not that hard. Um, I mean, if you're good enough to be out there, put them out there. That's not what Greg Berhalter does. He, he, and he's got his collection of guys who aren't, aren't any good and who've proven time and again that they're not any good at the international level. Play for him in Columbus. So he's calling them up. And, um, so, yeah, the team sucks. But we got a number of awesome individual players. Christian Pulisic is on fire for Chelsea in the Premier League in England. Weston McKinney's on fire for Schalke in the Bundesliga. Josh Sargent's 19 years old, just saved. Uh, Bremen from being relegated to the German second year. So the individual talent is there. We just got to get some guy who can put them all on the field and let them do your thing. Um, but Greg Berhalter is not going anywhere, no matter how many times we call for him to fire, because he played in MLS, he coached in MLS, and MLS sucked. That's as simple as that. Uh, as far as the, the women's side, um, they did qualify for the 2020 Olympics. The Olympic qualifying was for the women was held in January, February, and they, they won the tournament like they do every time. And um, so they've qualified for the Olympics. One of the things they were going to have to worry about was whether Alex Morgan was going to be able to come back from, in time from having her kid. But obviously with the Olympics pushed back a year, that's no longer a concern. Um, the big, the big news of the day for the women's team is uh, they every time they go to court, they lose. Um, they sued U.S. Soccer uh, because they, uh, you know, they felt that they weren't getting paid enough, and uh, the U.S. Soccer did a motion for summary judgment, and the judge looked at it and said, yeah, you, you guys don't have a case because you don't get to ask for your CBA a certain way. Get it the way you asked for it and then come back years later and say, well, we would have made more money if we did it a different way. So we're suing you for $66 million back. Um, they yeah, did. I mean, I believe Daniel could even look at it no different than I did because I don't know what you know, but I read numerous articles, heard different reports, and it's pretty cut and dry because regardless of how much they outplay the men, it's the breakdown, right, financially that the men get overall, not just United States. And for that reason, the U.S. men are going to get more money regardless of their play because that's just the way it financially breaks down. I mean, isn't it pretty cut and dry? Well, one of the things that they were alleging in their complaint against U.S. soccer was that it was a Title VIII violation, not Title IX. It was some one of the the uh, one of the titles, you know that, uh, and it was like you know it's like they were in violation of the Equal Pay Act and. Uh, Upon discovery and testimony, it turns out that the women's players were actually making more than the men's players. And so the judge is looking at this like, you can't say you're not getting paid as much when we look at it and you're in total compensation. That's a very important uh, thing is be like total compensation. That's prize money, uh, pay, you know, game fees, that sort of thing. Um, they, they, he did dismiss the equal pay thing. And of course, they said they're going to feel it, which they'll probably lose because I quite frankly think they're, they, they have poor legal representation because every single thing they've ever filed they basically lost and so they either have no case or they have poor legal counsel um well, but alex morgan came in my courtroom she'd win i'm just saying oh, that's, she came in that's, my, she'd win too 100 percent. but uh 
they did. There were two claims that he that the judge did is allowing to go to trial. Uh, is uh, which which is weird that nobody knew about this because all of the soccer media was just hammering the equal pay, equal pay, equal pay thing. Which the more things got flushed out, the more that just turned out to be not true. Um, is the uh, hotel and medical accommodation, hotel charter flights and medical accommodations. Uh, the judge Gary Klausner, Klausner uh, apparently felt strongly enough that the hotel accommodations and travel and medical were not equal or equitable, and so that is going to be decided by a jury. Uh, but not like, but the big thing was they wanted an extra sixty million dollars back pay, and the judge said no. Excellent, excellent, man. This has been good stuff. Um, it's uh, we hope hopefully we can have you back and we can go more in depth with with um, nine hundred one FC. I'd like to hear a lot more about that, especially as they get underway. Um, but we're gonna end our segment with you with a game that we like to play called This or That. Um, okay. Basically, I put you on the hot seat for about 30 seconds and I just fire off two random things and you pick one or the other. So you're picking this one or that one. So I'll go I've, slow. I've been, I've been a referee for 14 years. I can handle the hot seat. All right, so here we go. So bacon or sausage? Bacon. Iced or hot coffee? Neither. Chocolate chip or peanut butter cookies? Chocolate chip. Music or books? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, books. Tacos or pizza? Pizza. Messi or Ronaldo? Ronaldo. Ninjas or pirates? Pirates. TV shows or movies? Movies. Doing laundry or cooking dinner? Dinner. Working alone or working with a team? Well, that depends, but if it's just in a vacuum, I'll say working alone. Bert or Ernie? <laughs> Bert. Truth or dare? Truth. Stop or go? Go. Touch or taste? Taste. Call or text? Text. All right, Lawrence, you are off the hot seat, man. Before we go around the horn, um, is there anything you want to plug or promote? Uh, sure. Um, Y'all can uh, check out the 901 Soccer Podcast. That's uh, We're on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, on Twitter, at 901 Soccer Pod. And then on Facebook, we're just 901 Soccer. Um, then, you know, you can follow me on Twitter, at LDoc93. And then in, the, in my bio there is the link to everything I've written for World Soccer Talk. I've got a, one or two articles uh, coming down the pipe whenever the men's national team fires back up again. Uh, I did kind of a satirical, tongue-in-cheek uh, piece ranking every loss of the Greg Berhalter era, era from least infuriating to throw my chair through a window. And uh, I started it out just as kind of, you know, I was bored during the quarantine. And I was like, oh, this will be fun to write. And I got halfway through it and I started getting pissed. Poor, poor Greg, man. Like, he, he's got a lot of... A lot of people that don't like him. He's got all the charisma of a lamppost. <laughs> all right, Lawrence, we're going to go around the horn real quick before we end it. Um, is there anything out in the world that you want to touch on, talk about, anything you feel passionate about that you, you think the, the audience might need to know? Um, not, not really. I just um, – not really. I don't – I don't uh, have – 
have uh, grandiose proclamations or statements or anything to make. Um, I will let Jim tell the story of how we met because that kind of circles back around to soccer. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it doesn't matter what state you're in and it doesn't matter what kind of referee you are. All sides is all sides. And I was at a tournament in Oxford and my daughter is one of the backline defenders and they're taught to push up to push the other team off sides when they try to progress forward. Well, Lawrence here was a referee and, you know, he didn't really know that offside thing too well. So uh, naturally, as you've known my whole life, Daniel, I'm outspoken and I let him know how I, how I feel. You're wrong. <laughs> so, no, but what makes the story great is, you know, ha had a little uh, words back and forth, nothing, nothing over the top, but, no. you know, uh, we, we end up at Huey's and we're sitting there and I believe it's trivia night. And uh, I end up saying something to him and get to start in a conversation and he ends up talking soccer with me. And, you know, long story short, he ends up saying that uh, he's a referee. And then he asked me, you know, where my daughter plays. And we just kind of had this pause and stare for a second. And I was wearing the same LSU hat I was that night or that day. Mm -hmm. And, um, and he was like, you're the guy in the LSU hat. And I was like, you're the asshole who don't know all sides. And then there we went. <laughs> what do you know? He, he has a great way of, of making friends. So, Lawrence. I'm, I may, that night at Huey's, I may or may not have ended up sloppy drunk. I can't, I can neither confirm nor deny. I can, I can confirm that he was. Uh, was that the night I had to order that whole, somebody threw like a big giant plate of bacon in front of me? Was that that night? That, or that actually was me who ordered the giant plate of bacon because oh, okay. we were doing – I think we got you drunk, actually. We were doing breakfast shots. It's my breakfast wife's shots, shot. that's what it was. And uh, Reva, the bartender we know, we said we wanted some extra bacon, and so she was a smartass about it and brought a uh, whole giant plate, which I had no issue with. No, not at all. Anything else around the horn you want to hit on, Jim? No, man. What you got, dude? I got the the Cubs are doing it right. You don't you don't hear a lot of the Cubs doing it right, but they are selling tickets on the rooftops. Now, granted, they're they're three hundred and fifty dollars a piece, but they're making a whole experience out of those guys getting back on the field. If nobody can be in the stands, they're going to have people on those rooftops having a grand old time and. Jim can tell you, Lawrence, we, we had a, the privilege of going and sitting in the bleachers on a very hot Chicago day, but we did get to see them uh, win, and it was a good time, and I can only imagine what kind of a time they're going to have on those rooftops when they can drink as much as they want and say whatever they want. Um, but, yeah, the, the Cubs, I think, are thinking out of the box here, and they're, they're doing what they need to do to – to get fans at least engaged in the, the live uh, aspect in the stadium. So shout out to the Cubs. You don't hear that too often. Um, but we're going to end it, man. We talked a lot. Lawrence, I, I want to thank you for coming on. And if there's anything that we can do for you along the way, please reach out to us. And, you know, hopefully we'll have you on, you know, rather, you know, frequently and regularly to, to give us the, the rundown on soccer. Um, hey, no problem. I'd love to uh, love to keep coming back on, and I can talk college football till the cows come home as well. So, uh, Jim, 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 Jim will tell you. I can. Uh, I, I know all the coaches, all the schools, for the most part. He's kind of a he's kind of a Chad Nolan and a Randy Jowers type. He stores a lot of knowledge up in that head of his. 
hey, well, you'll you'll be interested in our next podcast. If you are interested in football, you need to tune in to the next one. For those of you that are listening, our, our next week's edition, episode 13, will be with a close personal friend of all of ours, Alan Irvin, who was uh, basically he was a professional football player who turned bodybuilder, who turned fitness model, who is an awesome dad and is, you know, a coach and a strength coach and you know he's doing it all so we're going to get a chance to talk to him and catch up a little bit and talk about the pro football life and you know the translation from being a pro athlete to a bodybuilder to a fitness model to a coach and and how to balance it all while being a dad and a husband so it'll be a good episode we're looking forward to that and for those of you that are interested, you can follow us on Facebook and off the bench. This has been Daniel Ball and Jim Cross. If you love average shows talking X's and O's, tune in next week. We are out.